you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's going on, everybody? DJ Bucky here, Move the Sticks, and not just another day in the studio today, Buck. No, it's a party. It's a party. It's a party, and everyone is invited. We are celebrating our 300th episode of Move the Sticks. Uh-oh. Hey! Nice! Party music, baby. Set, set the scene here. We've got Sully behind the glass. We've got Hytham. We've got party hats on. We've got Mark oh, back I see, there. I see, I see Bartlett back, back there dancing. There's a lot of dancing Bartlett. going on back there. Bartlett's dancing. I love it. It's a, it's a very festive. We've got balloons in here, Buck. We've had donuts, which you did not partake in. Not yet. I'm saving donuts. it. Donuts. I'm saving Decorations. It. I'm saving it. They photoshopped our faces on the guys from the movie 300. And I got to say, you pull it off quite nicely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we used real I got my glasses on. Guys. I got my glasses on. Who can Shredded. be a gladiator with his glasses on? <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> I've never seen a gladiator with glasses on. That's the name of his. If he started a band. Gladiators with the glasses <laughs> on. Gladiators with glasses on. I love it. Who has glasses on when you're a gladiator in the Coliseum? Ah, that doesn't work. That just shows how much of a, a bad you know I mean, you are. I, I would have to be a bad, but if I got glasses on, that's the first yeah. thing they go for. Like, no. Like, oh, they just released a line. Like, hold up. <laughs> no, no, hold on. Let me, let me don't adjust my glasses. My glasses. Yeah, you look like a young Horace Grant. <laughs> <laughs> like yes, the my, gla- on. my glasses on. At least have Rex nice bets. Nice them. Oh yeah, you should have had the. You should. You should have like put the Horace Grant. Yeah, no, the Kareem. The old, yeah, uh, if I had some goggles on, because yeah. I was about to do work in the the Coliseum, the wow. Lions and everybody. I love it. Well, we've got. Uh, it's going to be a fun episode. We've got two great guests coming up later. We've got a Hall of Famer and Ron Wolf talk about building teams, and that's a lot what we do on this podcast. We come from the personnel background. Mm-hmm. That's. The kind of approach we like to take to our podcast is taking people behind the scenes, what goes on, and how you operate and function in a personnel Absolutely. department. Well, what better guest uh, than to have Ron Wolf, a Hall of Famer, one of the great team builders in sport history, not just NFL history? Yeah, having Ron Wolf on, like one of my biggest mentors, a guy who is really um, critical and essential to my playing career and also getting into scouting. Um, I can't say enough good things about him because 
as a wide receiver. I never thought about, contemplated, never played defense in high school. He asked me when I was in Green Bay to play cornerback, gave me a different perspective of football. But then also being in Green Bay for a part of three seasons, I saw how a champion was built. I played with some Hall of Fame players there, Reggie White, Brett Favre, and others. It just really changed the way that I view football. So for me, I am forever indebted to him because he gave me an opportunity to do things that I always want to do, but I can only dream about doing. I don't leave out Gilbert Brown. I feel like you slight Gilbert Brown. Gil! Have those discussions. Uh, but anyway, it's going to be great to talk to the Hall of Famer, Ron Wolf, uh, somebody that's been very important in Bucky's life. And we're going to talk to one of my former bosses, the current uh, NFL Executive of the Year, Howie Roseman, coming off a of Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to join us to kind of bring the, the podcast full circle uh, I'm sure most of the folks that are listening, they don't even know going back to the beginning of this show that Bucky wasn't even here at the beginning. It was a solo mission. So I was trying to get guests on because, trust me, I could not carry this thing. And so Howie Rosen was my first guest we had on episode number one. Wow. Finally, out of the bullpen, Bucky came and saved me so we could have some somebody. Wow, I was Goose Gossage. You were. I was Goose Gossage. Yeah, go to the bully. Goose Gossage. I had to go to the bully, get some help. So, so Bucky came out, and, and we've had a bunch of great guests uh, throughout these 300 episodes, but the very first one was Howie Roseman. Uh, it'll be great to catch up with him. Ah, uh, man, this is terrific. 300, man. So many podcasts that pop up. Not many see 300. We saw 300. That's that's quite an accomplishment for everyone behind the glass. Like, that's no. it speaks volumes about the terrific job that everyone does to help us put on a great show. And I want to, uh, at the end, remind me, Sully, because I got a list of names. Speaking of, we got a little surprise for you two. Oh, hold on, hold on oh, one second. No. Oh, I, I didn't think they could get the car in here. They got a new. They got a new Tesla. DJ. Are they pulling the Tesla? Ford here. Chris Mortensen, remember, helped you along a little, little bit. Well, congratulations on number three hundred. Move the sticks podcast with Bucky. So, congrats to both. But I must admit, DJ, especially to you, I listen more to your dad's sermons than I do the podcast. <laughs> but that's going forward. Hi guys, this is Mac Brown. Congratulations oh. on your three hundred show of Move the Sticks. I love watching you guys. You're killing it. And Bucky, I love you. Great player for me at North Carolina. Maybe the fastest player we ever coached, especially at wide receiver. So um, love what you're doing. So proud of you. Congratulations. So what had really happened was I went up to NFL Network Newsroom and I was like, hey, DJ, you want to start a pod? And before I could get the word cast out, DJ was like, I'm in. And then Bucky came aboard, which only made sense because the very first time I had a thought of doing a scout show was in a production meeting. DJ and Bucky going over scout terms, insights. I was like, whoa, this is a show right here right now. So 300 episodes later, after being at Combine, Super Bowl, Elite 11, here we are, and massive shout out and congrats to you guys. And a production team too. Can't forget Mark Brady, can't forget Hytham, can't forget Sully, can't forget Will Powell, can't for- yeah, Will forget Powell. the booking team and Move the Sticks 360. Love those shows, man. Love what you guys do. I've been a big fan. And DJ, I told you about Sherlock over Magnum P.I. any day. And hey, Bucky, I told you about the Warriors. Oh, They're nice. Yeah. All right, it's your boy TD. I'm out. Hey, what's up there? Rhett Lewis here with you. All set oh. to congratulate DJ and Bucky on Move the Sticks podcast number 300. But I'm having a little trouble with it. You see, as the primary backup host of the Move the Sticks podcast, in that role I've hosted two episodes. So one, I should be getting congratulated as well. Or B, we're not even at 300 yet. This is really only episode 298. So what are we doing? 
No, no, but in, in all seriousness, it's been a pleasure to be a very minuscule part of uh, this fantastic franchise. Move the Sticks podcast, the only podcast that I download and listen to on a regular basis, and uh, can't wait for the next 300. Congrats, guys. Hey, guys, this is your old producer, Will. Just wanted to nice. say congratulations Ooh. on episode number 300. It was a huge honor to be a part of the show when I was there at NFL, and I can't wait to see what's in store for you guys in the future. Hey, DJ. Hey, Bucky. It's Arjuna. Arjuna. Just wanted to congratulate you guys on 300 episodes. Uh, No surprise. You guys are, you know, the very best at what you do. Best podcast, you know, best two guys to work with. I just wanted to say I'm so thankful I got to work with you guys for a year. You guys really uh, took me in and embraced me and and made me a better producer and a better person. And, um, you know, all the best. Uh, Always listening to you guys and... uh, you know, here's to another 300. Bucky, DJ, it's your old buddy Lanzerline, NFL.com. I, you remember me, guys, right? I come into town about as often as there's rain in L.A., which means about a week every year. Um, continued success. You guys doing a phenomenal job on Move the Sticks. Love the podcast. And I don't think people realize it's tough to follow the NFL and college the way that you guys do, but somehow you guys pull it off. I'm not sure how you do it. So I was told I got to do some sort of video saying congratulations to you two for your 300th show. Isn't that nice? The guy that got both of you started, CFB 24-7, Draft Tracker podcast, apparently uh, talking mascots and having interviews with Bob Stoops and Mac Brown isn't enough to keep me around. So you two leave me in the dust. Now I'm out of my luck. I got no job. I have no podcast of my own. Thanks a lot. You know, I hope you're proud of yourselves. I got nothing going on because of you two. Whatever. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's unbelievable. What's that? Money. Let's go. Come on. Oh. Okay. Around, you're up. Oh. Great. There's a. Got to get my uh, tee shot. So. Uh, okay. Congratulations, guys. Congratulations to DJ and oh, Bucky. Oh, here Their he first is. podcast. Wow. The Move the Sticks podcast. <laughs> no, no. What? Three hundredth episode, Dan. Three hundred. Three hundred. And the two hundred ninety-nine other episodes. Really great stuff. <laughs> Um, that's a joke, right? Yeah. No? Okay. Congratulations, guys. <laughs> well done. How, How about, about that? that? That was great. Started off with Mort and Mac Brown and the, everybody who's had something to do with the show. Now we got a cake? Oh, boy. If Hans' face is on this cake, I'm not going to be happy. Wow. Oh, look at that. that. We've got it the is. 300th episode cake. With the logo on party. it. party. Get the phone out. Well, well, let's take the, can we take the top off take, so we get a good can we take the top off? Drop it. Uh-oh. Oh, I don't want to mess that. it up here. Oh, man, look at that. It's a work of art, fellas. Wow, it smells great. Look at this thing. Oh, we and Bucky. brought donuts in. We have How cake. How many donuts and cake? I don't know. Some, you, you can't like have, party. You can't have donuts you and cake. Up, man. <laughs> wow. Look at that cake. That is phenomenal. Partying. Real quick, though, hey. Mort, Mac Brown, all the producers that have been a part of this show, starting with TD, who told the story of how this whole thing got started. Will Pyle, Arjuna. Uh, obviously, Sully's been here for darn near the whole ride uh, with us going here. Hytham as well. And Mark Brady greenlighting this. Uh, that Look, it was – I don't know if anybody thought there would be an appetite for this, uh, but it's continued to grow, and we have had a blast doing it, Buck. It's, uh, it was like a stroll down memory lane right there. How about that? Everybody – Bringing, bringing the heavy hitters. Guys did a lot of work for 300. That's that's pretty impressive. I'm excited. Yeah, Rhett is right, though. I've, I Personally, I think, you know, he is right. I mean, 298, I didn't uh, – I didn't. I sat two of those out. Well, know, I don't know how many I set out. Like, I, I, I don't no, get to go watch. strong. I don't think yeah. you missed school. You're like the guy that gets the award for not ever missing any class. <laughs> uh, 
it's quite impressive. But, no, seriously, everybody uh, behind the glass that's been a part of this, and I'm sure I'm leaving several names out, it, uh, Singer has done a great job booking so many guests for us um, for the 360 series and all the other projects that we've done. So it, it, it takes an army, and we really do appreciate everybody that's been a part of this thing. Um, it's it's exciting, Bucky, because I feel like we've done some cool stuff. But man, I, we've got so, many so much. We've so got so much, much ahead of us. So, so many ideas and, and so many different things we're excited about. And to hand Zeus on there, and those that don't know, um, probably all of our audience, uh, Dan Hanzus is not part of a podcast uh, with Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. And uh, and uh, I will say though, when they brought Colleen on, I thought that you know now this is legitimate. I oh yeah, an upgrade. It was definitely it was definitely a legitimate podcast that they have with Colleen in the mix. Uh, but with Dan, I'll just leave you. You know they've done, gosh, I'd say over seven hundred guys. Yeah, something like that. Seven hundred plus. Seven hundred plus. So here we are at three hundred. Wow. They're at seven hundred. But I'll just go, Buck. I'm going to go back to when you were in second grade, <laughs> and you had that math class, and it was like one of those word problems. And the problem would, you know, the question on the test was, what would you rather have, um, 700 pennies or $300? Ooh. And I think we kind of know the answer. For sure. Anyways, that's all I'm saying with Dan. You know, again, congratulations (laughs) to the Around the NFL crew. Basically just to to Colleen, Wes, and Sessler. That's really kind of our three. We're cool with them. If they want to branch off and start their own podcast. That'd be nice. I'd listen to that. I'll support it. Mm -hmm. I'll support it in a big way. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> hey, we do appreciate Dan. It's all we all have fun with him, and uh, appreciate him taking some time to shoot a video for us. Buck, this is uh, it's pretty cool, man. It is really, really cool. Like that cake, it smells really good. The cake is awesome. It's gonna be hard to. I'm make glad it I didn't. Wa- I'm glad I didn't the waste the whole episode it. without without having a having a slice. I, I might have yeah, to sneak you put in there. it right in front of me. Did you Sorry, have to do that. I know. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't waste my calories. At least we didn't give you give you a fork too. Um, do we have time to knock out a couple top fives before we yes. get to our guests? Yeah, let's let's uh, let's do it. Let's oh, knock man, out a couple top fives. Make, if I can get through these top fives without eating the cake, it'll be a miracle. Uh, Buck, here, what do you say? Let's do a couple top fives. You're top right. fives, I love top fives. Ooh, I mean, top fives are always. I fun. put this this uh, out on Twitter because it said, "What teams do you think you're capable of having both a top five offense and a top five defense in the 2018 Ooh. season?" Got some interesting responses, but I thought we'd go through. List individual that we think are going to be the top five offenses in order and the top five defenses in order. And we'll see if maybe a couple names show up on both lists. You ready to roll? Let's do it. All right, for me, first up, let's go defenses first. I'll go the Jacksonville Jaguars have the best defense in 2018. You look at what they have with the secondary as well as with a front that gets after the quarterback another year together. Um, Paul Pazlesny is going to be out of the lineup there, but there's plenty of talent still at that linebacker position. I, I think they'll be just fine. I have them at number one. At number two, I actually have the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles there at number two uh, on my defensive list. And that's, look, you add uh, a Michael Bennett to the mix with what they already had up front, Haloti Nada mixing in there. I think they're going to be outstanding and uh, getting the secondary safeties as good as it gets in football, and you get some young players emerging at the corner position. So Eagles two for me, Vikings three. Don't really need to say much there. Mike Zimmer and defense they're uh, synonymous, and all the talent they have. Uh, Harrison Smith I think's got a chance to be defensive player of the year this year. That's how high I am on him. The Chargers come in at number four. Ingram and Bosa. Then you get a healthy healthy Jason Verrett to team up with Casey Hayward, and you draft Derwin James. All being coordinated by Gus Bradley. I love their group. And then the Rams at number five. We know all about their additions, Buck. All the secondary members, Marcus Peters, Akeem Talib, bring over and Dominican Sue. Uh, they round out my top five NFL defenses in 2018. I mean, I like some of the choices. And in fact, I'm going to bring some of those choices over to my top five. I just feel like you have the order incorrect when you look okay. at it. Okay. All right. Give like, it to me. Go, so when I think about a number one defense, the top defense in the land, I not only want pass rushers, I want cover corners, want picks. but more importantly, I want a play caller. 
Wade Phillips and the L.A. Rams. Oh, I can't right imagine getting any better than that. And Dominican Sue, Aaron Donald on the inside. Aqib Tlaib, Marcus Peters on the outside. You have Wade Phillips dialing it up. This is a guy who a couple years ago we saw him do it with the Denver Broncos, made them the number one defense in the land. I think he does it again. Every time he has an opportunity to coach talented defenders, he finds a way to elevate the position of the unit. I think this, hands down, it's not close. This wow, is number hands one defense down. in football. All right, I just don't know who the pure edge rusher is. That was my only question. Oh, well, you need an edge when you got to come run up the gut. Oh, and in fact, it's even easier to get to the quarterback up the middle. I, I'm with you. I like it. They're my fifth. Who do you got? Go, go through the rest of your list here. What okay, so right after that, I think the L.A. Chargers. Man, L.A. just dominates L.A. Everything. L.A. L.A., the L.A. Chargers are next on my list. Gus Bradley finally has all the pieces that he needs to really replicate what he did in Seattle years and years ago. Boson Ingram off the edges, Casey Hayward being a Pro Bowl corner, but now getting Derwin James to be the monster in the middle, I think that takes them to the next level. After the Chargers, I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You talked about all the things that they have. I love the alpha dog mentality. I love the talent and the athleticism. So many top picks on that side of the ball. I think they always get it done. The Minnesota so the Vikings are a team that I don't believe we talk enough about on the bigger thing. They are loaded. And we talk about having pass rushers, having cover corners, having a play caller. Mike Zimmer does a great job. Some of the other coaches that they have on their staff, George Edwards is a D coordinator. They do a terrific job of putting their players in a position to make plays. And then the defending Super Bowl champions, the Philadelphia Eagles. I think everyone has taken a page out of their playbook. The depth and rotation of that front seven, that defensive line, being able to throw bodies after bodies at quarterbacks, people are emulating their recipe for success. The Philadelphia Eagles are a top five defense. So we have a lot of the same names here. And this is why I put this out there on Twitter, because I'm going to go through the offenses now. And I think last year we had one team. I think the Vikings might have been the only team that had a top five offense and a top five defense. I believe that's correct. I have four, four of the same teams on the on my offensive list that I had on my defensive list, which would be, I, I'm sure this would be the first time in NFL history for the top five uh, in each offense and defense. That, that would be nuts. But here are the names, and, and tell me where I'm wrong here because I've got offenses. The Rams, number one. They were as explosive as anybody in the league last year. I think they're going to be outstanding again. You talk about play caller. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean McVay is, is just ridiculous. So I'll put them at number one. The Philadelphia Eagles. I think Carson Wentz is healthy week one. I think getting mm-hmm. Darren Sproles back healthy and in this offense is going to give them a whole new dynamic. I think they're going to be right there. The Chargers, again, Rams, Eagles, Chargers. I had all of them with top five defenses. The Chargers, Phillip Rivers, I think this will be the best group of wide receivers with Mike Williams in that second year taking a big step forward. Tyrell Williams, Keenan Allen. I know you lose Hunter Henry, but I'm still uh, very, very high on what they can accomplish. The offensive line, some young players really got a chance to emerge there. I have them as the number three offense. The Vikings with Kirk Cousins taking over a group of receivers, a healthy Dalvin Cook. They're number four, and the only team in the top five that I did not have in the defense top five is the New Orleans Saints, just because the Saints are in the top five every single year. Drew Brees and Sean Payton are together, and I don't see that change. No, there's some nice names, and I I do believe the Chargers will be much improved. The Minnesota Vikings are there. Dalvin Cook, Latavius Murray, nice combination of running backs. The New Orleans Saints may have the best backfield in history with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Won't have Ingram for the first four games, but Kamara can certainly hold the load. When I look at my top five, I got some new names up there, and the number one name is going to be a surprise because we were trying to run the quarterback out of town, but the 
the New York Giants will have the number one offense. Whoa! I said it like. Whoa! I mean, last year I said print print the shirts, but I'm not going to say. You're back on the bandwagon. I'm not. I'm not going to say print the shirts because they're already printed. We just have to update the year. (laughs) Just update the year. But the New New York Giants with Saquon Barkley coming over, the improvements to the offensive line, OBJ, Shep, Evan Ingram, they are going to score a lot of points, and you have a terrific play caller and Pat Shermer. I think they will lead. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to test you real quick. All right, just look at me. Say with a straight face, no come smile. On, just say with a straight face. Come on, Eli. Have you heard the reports? Eli, just, just say, just say the, the Giants will have the number one offensive league. Straight Giants face. will have the number one offense in football. It kind of tilted your head a little. No, bit. No, they're, they're there. Bit. They're there. I have them in. Yeah, you did. Not only are they going to do that, they're going to win the NFC East. But we'll save that for August. Okay, let's we'll save, save that. One. We'll, yeah. save, we'll save that. We'll let that cat out of the bag. We'll, we'll, wow. put, we'll put a pin in that one for August. Spice. Here we go. What do we got next? L.A. Rams. You talked about Sean McVay, Jared Goff. I just believe Ty Gurley. All the things that they have. Plus, you bring in a Brandon Cooks, more explosive. They're going to continue to be one of the teams that set the standard. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Have we forgot? I know, Big but like, Ben. They didn't score as much last the, year as I thought. Lev Bell. They get back on track, and Big Ben likes the offense coordinator. He'll be a little more engaged. <laughs> you know, with him, everything is about how his feelings are. I think his feelings are intact. I think he has a really, really good I thought, year. I, I thought, well, you're going bold. I thought you were going to say Mason Rudolph was going to lead the Steelers to a top no, five offense. On, not going hey, that bold. Come on, come come on. that one out. Come on. We want clicks, but we don't want silliness. <laughs> uh, fourth, the New England Patriots. This is a swan song. Maybe it's a kiss goodbye. For, I did not have the Tom Pats Brady. In there. That was the one I struggled with. I think Tom this Brady. might be the year. It slip a little. Bit. Ah, we get Gronk back. We get Edelman back. Come on. All the running backs, Sonny Michelle. I offensive thought you were Sonny Michelle. I do, but offensive line scares me. Have they ever scared? Have they ever been a, a formidable no, unit? It could be bad. Tom Brady makes everyone bad. better. He is he is the elixir. He's everything. And then finally, the Philadelphia Eagles at five. Carson Wentz played at a high level. I just believe him, him returning to the lineup, Doug Peterson, continuing to call plays, Darren Spoles, some of the other guys that they have. Mike? Was it Mike Wallace comes over? Yeah. Comes over, gives them a little speed, a little speed over the top. Our Dallas Goddard's been outstanding, by the way. I just kind of like what the Philadelphia Eagles are putting together. I think they are a top. So how how many did you have on both lists? Because I had four, which is nuts. I had the Eagles. And the Rams. Okay, see, I had the Eagles and the guys. Rams, but I also had the Chargers and the Vikings. Even if I think you can make the case for the Vikings certainly to be up there. The only thing, new offensive coordinator, I'm trying to figure out, can he get those those playmakers on the outside going like Pat Sherman and those other guys had them going last year? Well, I think it's going to be some exciting football here uh, with these teams, though. It's balance, definitely some balance there. Uh, with those squads. All right, we want to do some uh, a little bit of mailbag work here before we get. Oh, I love digging in the mailbag. Nothing it. like a mailbag. All right, Sully, you confident in your reading skills here? You yeah, we can this thing on. We can do this. Go Let's do it. it. Let's do it. Go for it. We've we've kind of done this before, but always like to revisit it. During your scouting days, what are some of the sp- of your favorite small schools to scout? Interesting talent, favorite coaches, favorite places to eat. Ooh. That type of thing. That's well, good. The, the eating thing, I'm going to leave to DJ. But favorite place to go, Eastern Washington, uh, way, way back there was red a turf. tackle. Red, I was before the red turf. Gotcha. Uh, there was a tackle. Michael, Michael Ruse. I was up there for Michael Ruse, Ruse yep. who was played in ten, I think played for the Titans for a long time, oh, maybe yeah. a decade. The field's He's named after there. him up there now. He donated a little money. Went back went back to the, the alma mater, gave him a little money. He was one of my uh, favorites to watch. That place was a favorite to go because when I was with the Seattle Seahawks, we actually used to have training camp there. So Cheney, Washington was a spot, a destination. I would stay there, stay in Spokane, do the thing. See, I, on the West Coast for me, Cal Poly was my favorite visit every year. Oh, you can't beat Cal Poly slow because uh, back beautiful. in the day, to think about eating, that was the only place that had a Chick-fil-A. Like if you think about now, Chick-fil-A is all on the West Coast. That's a big deal. But you could go into the student union. Yeah. 
I mean, I could there. I could blend in, look like a student, yep. get a little Chick Fil A, large <laughs> lemonade, waffle fry, do the deal. Yeah, so they had, see, I went and got they had the uh, brisket sandwich though. That uh, oh. the uh, they had the same place. The it was the Doghouse Grill at Fresno State. Oh yeah, right outside Fresno. Yes, and it was like their sister restaurant, and I can't remember wow. the name of it. And in, in somebody will let us know. But Firehouse, Firehouse, something like that. Uh, b- unbelievable uh, barbecue like brisket sandwich. Look at it you. It was really good. Uh, so, anyways, Cal Poly on the West Coast. Then going back east. Going to the Harvard-Yale game uh, was a fun experience. I was there to scout Ryan Fitzpatrick when he was at Harvard. I wanted to see him play live, so I went to the Harvard-Yale game. Is this wow. a, the, the stadium's just so old and historic. And, what, and at I, the Yale Bowl? Yeah. It was, no, it was at Harvard. It was oh, at, Harvard. at Harvard. It was at Harvard. And watched it there. And plus, there's something about sitting up at the stands, and at that point in time, I'm probably, I don't know, 20, late 20, 27, 27, 28. And I'm watching the game going, I think I could. I think I could. I think I could play in this game. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best thing about going to an Ivy League game. You sit up there in the stands and go. I, well, I, can, I still. I can, I'm I not in that, that bad of shape. I can, I can make that throw. Come on, I can do that. Easy, <laughs> easy. Um. Anyways, yeah, th- those are my uh, two favorite small schools. Go ahead, Sully. Rip an on ass. Hi, it's Hytham's turn. We're, we're, oh, Hytham, what do we got? We'll popcorn right, th- This one's coming from uh, our old buddy TD, aka Young Kobe. Yeah. Who wins in a free throw contest, DJ Bucky or Sheck? Ooh, that's a trick question because the correct answer is Kent. Yeah, Kent Kent holds the record. <laughs> apparently, You're right. Apparently, Kent's hit like a million free Kent, throws in Kent a row. Kent holds the record, yeah. his high school record for for free throw percentage. No like joke. Jeff Hornacek. He's he likes. I've heard him tell a story where he hit like ninety something in a row. Yeah. Kent, the look on Buggy's face is amazing. <laughs> he did. Kent can shoot free throws. He's, he's not behind the glass. No, right? he's not even no. here. Okay. How- how did he get fouled? Like, why did he foul him? Yeah, right. Have, <laughs> let him shoot. He had game. He had game where he could. I don't get, know if he was getting to the he bucket. Could get, he could get to the bucket. He had, a, he had a euro step. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out why they were fouling Kent. Like, like why? Like, I, I, I think. Like, I think. Why is he in the game? Why is he I, shooting so many shots? I think they were in the bonus and he took a charge. <laughs> I just don't understand why. <laughs> that's, he, that's Kent's why is move. he taking so many? Why is he getting so many shots? He's taking charges. That's um, right. Were wow. You good, were you a good free throw shooter? I, I I didn't want to say, but I did have an award. I was the top free throw shooter at my high school. Did you really? There yeah. you go. I used to hold the ball all the time. Yeah, I was in a two-minute situation. We need to have a, we need have a podcast, out. a knockout game. Yeah. I want to oh. see Kent versus Bucky here. I was inconsistent. I, mean, I, I think I was I think I was like high 60s, low 70s, which oh, is – We're going to foul you. Yeah. I oh, shot over 80, Mark, Mark says he was the Massa- Mark says he was the Massachusetts uh, state free throw champ. Oh. So, oh, oh we're really going to have to do this. We're really going to have to get – this competition how about the whole state the whole state how many how many guys from the other four schools in the state were uh, (laughs) the other four schools (laughs) mark how how many schools are we talking about is all divisions or is this this was when i was uh 13 years old i don't know if you guys are familiar with the knights of columbus but they hold a a statewide uh, free throw uh championship and uh final round i made 23 or 25 so don't hold any records like kent brown but uh that's that's my my one athletic claim to fame and after that it's been all downhill no was it the the granny shot like the florida Florida (laughs) gator player we need we need that we need to pull the footage almost like uh they used to pull andy reed's pump pass and kick yes uh, mark yeah yeah Yeah, i'll I'll, uh, I'll call my mom what what was your routine what was your routine how many dribbles a lot of uh uh, a lot, well, first of all, a lot of uh, late night uh, in your backyard uh, practice with like, backyard, the, the though goal. not the garage. So we're talking backyard, yeah. Opening <laughs> scene of Space Jam. That was you. Um, <laughs> but the key was if you could get the spins so that if it went in, it would actually roll back to you without yes. having to. Uh, oh, that's, to yeah, that's how it has to hit. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't come close to that now though. But I'd, I'd love to be part of a competition. Twenty-three of twenty-five is nothing to sneeze at. There, that's fantastic. 
Uh, yeah, I was average. I was a little average to below average as a free throw shooter. Nobody asked me. It's okay. Uh, how were you, Sully? Oh, I'm not. Very Anyways, good. what's the next question? <laughs> uh, what we got there? Uh, all righty, next one. Next one. Which teams are in the market for a QB one? Uh, oh the man, draft. that might be a little early there. Jordan it's a little Jinx. early. Jordan Jinx. It's Which a little, teams? A little early. Man, well, on. I mean, we, Bucky. I feel like every year we talk about that 2004 class. This is the year they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. The See, Giants, the Chargers, the Steelers. Well, all those teams are good. I just read a story about Davis, Davis Webb. Webb. Davis Webb being the next coming. He's ready. Then Mason Rudolph. You know, Pittsburgh took maybe arguably the best quarterback in the draft. Chargers. So, so the Chargers are the only Cardale. team. Cardell. Go get him, Cardale. Man, Cardell, boy, you talking about a happy young draft day, Cardell. Oh, he dodged. He, oh, he was man. dodging Cardell, some. Cardell. Gino, though. Yeah. Gino in the mix, too. Uh, all right. What, give us another one here. What we got? So this one's uh, – this one comes from – this one comes from Travis. Okay. Trav? <laughs> did you tip Hansis when he was your Uber driver? Yes, I did. I did go on their podcast, and uh, I did mention that Hansus looked like an Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had some time to think about that, and I'd like to apologize to Uber. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's a Lyft driver. Uh, Lyft, yeah, not Uber. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't no, think that works either. either. Okay. No. Yeah. I, anyways. Oh, well. What, uh, what, what else we got? What else do we got? Let's see here. We got um, how often do you bring up the App State win over Michigan to Rich Eisen? Not much. Ooh. Twice a day tops. Probably, <laughs> probably a little sensitive about that. No, I really I really don't. I, Rich, Rich gets it anytime – I'm around him or with him, and somebody asks where I went to school. It's just – it's kind of understood. They don't even really yeah. say anything. They already know. No, I'm just still know. bumming, though, about how much – you know, think of all these podcasts we've done with Sully Behind the Glass. If we could have just stinking finished that game against Tennessee. Yeah. and you, All the fun I would have talking about App State beating Tennessee. You kind of you, you filled our bet and kind of wore the tie. You're supposed to wear it on T.A., Oh wore, yeah, word on our set. Yeah, that's it. That was, I, I, I even I, I even brought out. I even brought one without a power T on it. Did you? Yeah, you remember oh, that? that you, yeah, I brought a power T one. It's called a, it's and, called and a, an orange stripe. What I wait, wore wait, on the pod? It's called a power T. Power T. That's what the that's what the logo is. The power T. Is really called a power T, or did you make that up? No, did you add that? It's the power T. I don't have a power have block a, I don't, T. I don't. I know this is not one of the questions, but mm-hmm. I was just listening to. Uh, might have been our buddy Bruce Feldman's pod the other day, mm-hmm. and I want to say Tennessee has a pretty high-profile opponent early in the season. Yeah, West Virginia. Oh, that week one. Yeah. Oh, Will Greer's gonna light them up. Like yeah, a, I asked. I, I asked like him. Like a candle not, on this cake sitting in front of me. I right asked now. him. I asked him when we interviewed him. I said, please, just just keep it to four touchdowns, not five <laughs> or six. Dana, be, Dana's not going to call that one. Might off. Be, that might be a halftime. Uh, absolutely halftime because there's uh, they, Tennessee's not returning a single re, uh, starting cornerback against Sills and, and Greer. By the way, Twitter's been all over me because when I interviewed him. I mentioned something about you know, what do you do Huntington, in Huntington, not, and I got Morgantown. Yeah. And I've been to Morgantown. I've been to games in Morgantown. I went to go see uh, – what was the name of the – they had a running back. Uh, Abad Bradshaw? No, Jay, a uh, thicker guy. I don't even know if he got picked. It wasn't Jay Harris. Who am I thinking of? What's, what's, what's his name? Big anyway, back. Was Marshall? Had a big back there back in the day. But uh, anyways, yeah, I've been to Morgantown, but I screwed that one up. Nice kid, though. Didn't even correct me. Yeah. So, two yeah. points for that. Uh, give me give me uh, two more here, then we'll uh, we'll wrap up our mailbag. All righty. Uh, this one comes from Xavier. What is one rule, college or NFL, you would change, fix, or create? Ooh. Go ahead, Buck. <laughs> uh, the, the obvious would, one to me is the fumble out of the back of the end zone and you lose possession. Oh, I don't care about that rule. Okay. I, I would I would I would lighten up on some of the uh, illegal contact and pass interference stuff. Let them play a little bit more. Let them play a little bit. Let them hold and hug and mug a little bit. You know, a little more physical. 
Okay, that's okay. I I, I don't like that fumble out of the back of the end zone. You want to penalize him uh, ten yards or something? That's fine. But to lose possession, yeah, dive yeah. for the end zone, I don't. Yeah, I don't like that. Anyways, all right, well, give me one more here, Sully. Well, let's see here. Yeah, who is the undrafted free agent that has a chance to be a Victor Cruz or a Romo? From Holy this, from moly! This class? Undrafted free agent Houghton Hill up in Minnesota is nice. corner. Texas. corner. Yeah, for Texas, he has he's creating quite a buzz. At corner, he he could be a guy that kind of emerges as a star as an undrafted. Interesting, nice. I, I like that, that one. Good. Yeah, I don't I don't have one for you off the top of my head there. So we'll get into some cool. preseason and I'll, I'll have a name for you. All right, there we go. We uh we ready to get some interviews done here? Let's get it done. All right, Buck, why don't you start us off? I am really really excited to bring on one of my biggest mentors, a guy who is largely responsible for my extended playing career and my scouting career. Uh, we're going to talk to Hall of Fame inductee and Super Bowl champion executive Ron Wolf. Ron, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Hey, Ron, look, I was privileged to be a Packer for almost three seasons. I saw you build a team up from scratch and make them a Super Bowl champion. Real quickly, can you share with um, our listeners just some of your football team building philosophy? Well, I think I think essentially uh, it, it boils down to in the game of professional football, and you two gentlemen know this as, as better than anybody. If you don't have a quarterback, you can't compete. <laughs> so that was number one, and I that was a philosophy I had. I learned that when I started in the game. 1963 with the uh, Oakland Raiders uh, under Al Davis, just watching the game progress, watching our team progress at that time, the Raiders. And uh, until you have that championship caliber quarterback, you're kidding yourself. That's number one. And then the rest of it kind of fills itself in. Uh, Obviously, you have to have a quality coach. Uh, you have to have quality players, but they all build themselves up into that area. When you can compete at a at a certain level, you know you're there, and that's that's the greatness of the game. It's, a, it's to me the most exciting part of the game. Like right now, as as I'm talking to you, the best quarterback in in professional football is a former six-round draft choice. And uh, that's, to me, the fascination of the game. You know, it's funny that you mentioned Tom Brady. That's who you're alluding to being a six-round pick. Um, You're one of the guys who always believed in drafting a quarterback every year, every other year. Can you kind of share the wisdom behind always looking for a quarterback, even though you may have one in place? Well, I always thought it was good to be protected. And I'll never forget, we were playing a game in Minneapolis, and uh, play one, we lose Favre, run in his, his replacement. The very next play, we lose him. <laughs> so now we're down to number three. And number three costs us the game. <laughs> from that, that point on, it was always an endeavor to try to better yourself. And, and, and we, we got pretty lucky with some of the guys. Brunel in the fifth round, Hasselback in the sixth round, they went on had tremendous careers. They were Pro Bowl players. But when you had a – I was in it 38 years, and, and you get one player like a Brett Favre in those 38 years. I mean, it was, it was really remarkable 
what he did, what he was able to accomplish as a professional football player. And we even had Kurt Warner, who's in the Hall of Fame. And everybody said, well, look how dumb you were. You, you let him go. <laughs> well, that's right. We, we did let him go. But had, had he been with us, he would have never played. <laughs> That's a very that's a very fair point there. With all the quarterbacks that you just mentioned, we one of the things we've always done, we did in our our scouting career, trying to always study these quarterbacks, Ron. But then when we have a chance to get somebody on, especially with with your wisdom at that position, if you had to just narrow it down, you know, if it was maybe one, two, or three characteristics that you're looking for that you found in the great quarterbacks you've been fortunate to have selected or been around during your career, what would those three characteristics be? Well, I think number one, first of all, if if I knew the answer to that question, I, I would be, I'd have my own island somewhere, <laughs> my own empire. So, I mean, I think we already discussed that because here, you know, you got uh, Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. L- look at his career. I mean, look, look where he came from and look what he's accomplished. But I think number one is that their success as a winner. I think you have to win, win. And, to me, that's a very, very important statistic. It's the only thing that really matters in the game, as far as I'm concerned. Who won? Is wins and losses, and uh, that's that's key to me. And then, then it goes into all the other things: the athletic ability, the the arm strength enters into it, the ability to make the play at the moment a play needs to be made, and then you can, when you go to a college game, you can always study. And you see whether or not the coaching staff puts the ball in this guy's hands at a critical moment, or they make the they make the call. Those to me are telltale signs. I'm glad you mentioned that about going to the game because you know Ozzy had, had taught me when I first started, and I'm and I'm sure you did the same thing with your guys. The importance of seeing those quarterbacks in a live environment, not just going off the tape. And I know some people interpret that that oh, you just need to go see to gauge his arm strength. There's so many other factors that go into it and what you can glean from a live exposure with a quarterback. What was your belief on that, Ron, on, on the importance of getting out to see these guys live and in person? I think just, just what you said uh, is very clear. Are, do the coaches who know him better than anybody else, I mean, their livelihood depends on how well he performs uh, during, the con- during the course of a contest. Do they keep the ball in his hand or do they take it out of his hand? That tells you worlds, worlds of... Uh, it's just unbelievable information right then and there as the trust and faith that they have in this particular individual. Like, let's take Farr, for example. We'll, Southern Mississippi, I mean, they never took the ball out of his hand because when he came on the field, I always felt the field tilted in his team's favor. Now, he was, I think, 31-15 and 15 during his career. You know, he, he knocked the heck out of some really good teams at, at their home field, Auburn and Georgia uh, beat Florida State in Jacksonville on a homecoming for Florida State. Those things, those are the things I think that are characteristics people look for. So that's what I look for anyway in a quarterback. And you had to have, you had to have the arm. You had to have the athleticism, the ability to step around a rush if you couldn't run. I like Peyton Manning. He was exceptional at that. I always thought Dan Marino was very good because he never took a loss, threw the ball away. So it was always second and 10 instead of second and 20. Mm -hmm. Little things like that. 
You know, it's funny, Ron, when you talk about Brett Favre and, like, obviously having played with him, for me, when I evaluate quarterbacks, he's kind of the standard of what I kind of compare everybody to when I'm looking at a franchise guy. Because I was there in 95, 96, 97, he won three straight MVPs, and we all realized the magic that he had on the field. That is why I was... I won't say like surprise, but I thought it was like lofty praise when in this year's draft, we had a lot of our guys, guys that have spent time in Green Bay, Alonzo Heisman of John Dorsey, Scott McLuhan, your son, Elliot, kind of talk about Baker Mayfield in terms of having some of that, that Favre-like magic. Um, can you kind of talk about that magic and, and what it means for a quarterback to have that? Because I don't know if everyone can, can kind of quantify that comparison when it was made and why it was so such a big uh, lofty praise when they put that on him. Yeah, that's a very interesting question. I uh, think uh, I think the, the the people that are at the top of the game at that particular position—that's a tough, uh, as you guys know, a tough, tough position to play. And uh, it's a, they're rare individuals that have that capability of of, of making something happen. And there's so many variables. It's it's how how they adjust to the systems they're in. It's it's they have a uniqueness. And again, I say I wish I wish I knew how how to uh, quantify that in in a better phrase and a better better example. Then I I can't do it because I'm not really sure because you have so many people. That are that that have been exceptional. We all look at this position, and we all try to to, to simplify it. And you can't. You either have the ability or you don't have the ability. And, and here in uh, I'm in Green Bay right now, but here here in Green Bay, I mean, they had Favre and they had Rodgers. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, a stroke of luck. Good, uh, yeah, uh, uh, set of quarterbacks there and. Uh, each one, each one is different in in their own way. What do you make of this word uh, culture that gets thrown around so much? And, and Bucky mentioned, you know, with, with Elliot and Alonzo and, and John there in Cleveland coming into a situation where they've only won one game in the last two years. And the phrase, every time a guy gets hired, it seems like we hear, oh, we're going to change the culture. Well, you, you were experienced it firsthand to take that Green Bay franchise and completely spin it around. Uh, what what does that mean when people say we're going to go in there and, and change the culture? <laughs> yeah, well, it means you got your fingers crossed and you <laughs> hope that you get you can get the right players to make it all work. <laughs> but uh, I, I, with me here in Green Bay, it was very very simple. I, I played on the tradition of the of the of the Packers, going back to Curly Lambeau, obviously Vince Lombardi, the trophy is named after Lombardi. Everything in in this town is pretty much named after Lombardi, even though it's Earl Lamb or Curly Lambeau's uh, uh, team that he started. But it, it, marvelous tradition, and I played on that, and it kind of worked. We kind of built everything around the football team, and all we asked our guys to do was play football. Bucky, Bucky knows this. Mm-hmm. We didn't ask them to go to the socials or anything else. They were football, professional football players, and, and we treated them as such. And to change the culture, I think the thing, in, in, you're talking about Cleveland, they have a marvelous professional football tradition. And hopefully they'll play on that and, and, and turn it around. 
obviously I'm rooting hard for them because <laughs> my son's there. <laughs> um, Ron, la- lastly for me, um, you alluded to being in the game since 63, working for the late, great Al Davis. Can you talk about just a couple of lessons that you learned from working with, with Mr. Davis? Well, I, I I learned so much. I, I spent 25 football seasons with him, and he brought me in as a, a snot-nosed guy out of Oklahoma and trained me uh, uh, in scouting, in how to run a franchise. Uh, he was a brilliant man, had an IQ of 181, knew every facet of the game. And I think the biggest thing I learned from him was Whenever I had to go in and sit and talk to him, I would prepare myself. You know, he's going to ask this, he's going to ask this question, that question, and so on. And invariably, he would ask the one question that I hadn't prepped myself for. He was just so far ahead of the game. Obviously, you know, he became, he was a head coach, became a commissioner of a league, brought about the merger, became an owner and, I think uh, for 50, for five decades, he had a team that went to the Super Bowl. So, amazing, amazing man. Quite a career, and what an opportunity to, to learn under him. Uh, last question for me. Uh, we get asked this a lot, and there's a lot of young scouts around the league that listen to this uh, to this podcast. And one of the questions we get asked, what can we do to grow in, in our profession? Do you have any advice just from the, the experience that me and Bucky have? We do the best we can, but I can't think of anybody more qualified than you, Ron, <laughs> to give some of these young guys advice on how to get better, how to improve as an evaluator, how to get better as a scout. Uh, what advice would you give them? Believe in yourself. Believe in what you're seeing. Uh, to me, that's that's so important. There are so so many things that, so many people today, just like you're talking about, everybody has an opinion. You hear various opinions on, like, I, I don't know enough about the, the players that have been drafted like the last 10 years. Uh, particularly, you take this year, all the quarterbacks are coming. Everybody had an opinion. Or the running back from Penn State, or this, or that, or what have you. The most important thing is believe in yourself. Believe in your ability to evaluate. Take advantage of the knowledge that you already possess. Because having played, like in Bucky's sense, he could equate certain people to players that he played with or played against. Those are very important. When you're with a team, you can compare each individual to the individual you're looking at. For example, you're looking at a wide receiver, and you can compare him to your wide receivers and believe and I can't overemphasize this thing. I've said it three times already. Believe in yourself. Don't listen to the people around you. You do. You do the work. You put your name on it. That's good enough. You know, it's one thing I, I was about to close, but I, I have to say this because, uh, Ron, I don't even know if you remember this. Years ago, I was at Northern Colorado, and I had just scouted Vincent Jackson. And when I left Northern Colorado, I picked up the phone and I called you and I asked you, when you looked at Terrell Owens coming out of UT Chattanooga, what gave you the confidence to give him a big grade? And in the car ride, he told me, Buck, believe what you see. If you see this guy as a dude, put a big grade on him and stand on the table for him. And so hearing you talk about believe in yourself, believe what you see, trust your eyes, 
make big opinions. Uh, the one thing that I can say about one being in Green Bay and then uh, working for a lot of guys that kind of were reared in that system, all the scouts always had an opinion and they always had the right to voice their opinion. You may not have necessarily been with the consensus, but you were always given the opportunity to be heard. And because you were heard, you felt inclusive as part of the process. And I think it made me and it's made others better scouts because it was a cumulative thing. Everyone, it was a collective thing where everyone got a chance to have a voice. Then we made a decision and we moved on. But because you had an opportunity to say your word, it you felt like you were really a part of the process. Ron Marcinak was there with uh, with me in Baltimore, and I know Ron knows him well. And, and uh, Ron used to always tell me when I was first starting out, it was a great mentor for me, you're almost better in this business to be strong and wrong than to be weak and right. <laughs> you're not going to remember. You're going to remember whether you believed in what you saw and you stood on the table and you had a strong opinion. Nobody's going to remember if you got the guy right. You don't have the courage to sit up and say anything in the meeting. So uh, I think that's that's great advice, Ron. Thank you so much for that. I th- I'm sure all our listeners will get a lot out of that. Absolutely. Well, last question. Last question for real this time. It really is my last question. Do you do you have any uh, good Bucky Brooks story, <laughs> Ron? We're celebrating. We're celebrating our third 300th episode of this of this show. And nothing would make me happier than if you could remember anything oh, at all about yeah. Bucky Brooks' uh, playing what, days. The, the one thing I remember is when I talked to Bucky and told him we're going to turn you around. And the expression on his face was priceless. <laughs> but, yeah, I can't describe it. But uh, you know him, so there you go. I mean, it was just, I'm sure he was thinking, you got to be kidding me, old man. You know, no, it, so here's what's funny, because you mentioned the quarterback. Yeah. So when I went and worked out, for Green Bay, the quarterback that was throwing the ball was T.J. Rubley. T.J. Rubley was throwing darts. <laughs> I'm coming off a of high school field. I'm coaching high school ball at the time. I hadn't really caught a ball in a while, and T.J. Rubley is ran back throwing 90-mile-an-hour fastballs <laughs> in an indoor facility where I could barely see the ball. And so it is beating me up, right? <laughs> it is hitting me everywhere. So finally, I'm just like, just body catch it, but just, just body catch it and swallow it up. <laughs> And at the end of that workout, Ron brings me over. He's like, uh, I want to do something. And so he had me backpedal and do a couple of things. And I end up, we call head whipping mm-hmm. on a W drill. And at that moment, he was like, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think we might want to bring you back as a cornerback. And John Snyder would call me literally every Tuesday for about a five-week period. Hey, man. Hang in there, we're thinking. And by that time, I hadn't been anywhere. I, w- I would take anything. They could have asked me to get water, and I was doing it. But it was the greatest thing because what he did, it allowed me to see the game from a different side. I got a chance to sit in defensive meetings, see how uh, defensive players act. And without playing defense for, whatever, another three or four years, I never would have had the ability to evaluate and see the game like I saw it. So as a player, I never was able to kind of live up to my personal stuff, but – it allowed me to do so many more things outside of football that have helped me today. And I'm, you know, I can attribute that to Ron and his, his foresight to be able to be like, hey, you know what? You could be a cornerback and you could play in the league. And I did. Like, he had it. I never would have saw that for myself. So thank you to you. All right. Well, that's great. That's great. <laughs> well, I think that's a great way to end it there. Ron talking about Bucky having hands for, for uh, feet for hands there and, yeah. and switching over to play defense. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining us on our 300 episode man it means the world to me to talk to you again i'm gonna make sure i do a better job of staying in touch thanks so much for sharing all your knowledge with our listeners 
I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, fellas. All the best. <laughs> well, how cool was that, Buck? I mean, look, the, the relationship you have with Ron was, uh, was very obvious during that conversation. But even aside from that, just all the pearls of wisdom he just dropped in that in that interview was, was priceless. No, just just everything. Like it's, it's it's so crazy. You talk about getting a one on one class and team building and all that other stuff. Like that's what we just were able to receive. It's um, it's always great. Like I think we always can learn. And I think just even in that conversation, I continue to learn more. And I think that's why it's important. We talk about all the aspiring scouts and guys that want to get into the business. Always be willing to learn. Always be willing to listen. You can learn from anybody in any sport that has built a team. I think there's some things that can be gleaned from guys who have done it and done it at a high level. And one of the favorite parts about that discussion, and Bucky, for those who are listening, is very, very humble and never talks about, rarely talks about his own playing career. <laughs> but, I mean, seriously, how many guys can say they've played on both sides of the ball in Crazy. the National Football League? It is a very, very mm-hmm. select company that you're in there. So it's kind of cool to hear that story of how that all came about. <laughs> It's funny. It's funny. He's. I'm seeing he's now that you wear glasses, and I'm thinking you're inside that indoor, man. <laughs> I don't doubt your hands. I think it was eyesight. It was eyesight issue. It might have been because it was it was one of the worst workouts you can ever imagine. If you can think about the pressure of having to perform, and then the first one or two they throw to you, you drop. Oh, it only ratchets up then. So. It, it, <laughs> It was not the greatest That's workout. Hilarious. The average, the average person at home, the the way that I can equate that pressure to you would be, you foolishly decided to go to like the batting cage on a date in high school, and you're in like the forty to fifty mile per hour machine, and you miss the first two or three, and you know if you miss another one, there will be no second date. Nope. That's kind of like the pressure that. That's exactly. There. That's exactly what it was like. All right. Well, from one Hall of Fame executive to an executive coming off really a Hall of Fame year where he just made every right decision and ended up uh, garnering him the Executive of the Year Award as well as the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, excited to be joined by Howie Roseman. All right, Buck, I'm, I'm excited to have uh, a good pal here, Howie Roseman, join us on the show. Howie, first of all, when my question is, when do the rings show up here? When are we having the ring ceremony? When's that going down? Thursday night, DJ. We can't wait. End of the off season, we get the rings, a little party that Mr. Lurie will throw for the whole organization. It's gonna be special. Special oh, night. Have you see have you got a chance to see the ring yet? I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I'm I'm waiting for opening that box and, and you know I'm not on social media. Um for for probably good reasons as we've seen. <laughs> I was gonna say in the city in the city you're in, you better uh, not be yeah, on yeah. social media. But I, I, I have a feeling those rings are gonna be on social media soon after those boxes are being opened. Well, that's phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Uh, Howie, having had the opportunity to watch you rebuild this team and make it into a, a, a title winner, uh, one of the things that I learned is you guys have built on strength. You have taken positions of strength where you seemingly didn't have issues and continue to add to that. Can you talk a little bit about your team-building philosophy? Yeah, and I think it's really organizational. Uh, you know, when we think about all the people here and our coaching staff and, and our front office and our scouting staff and really even our owner, it was about not having as many resources as we're used to having in the past after we made the trade for Carson really gets you focused on, on keeping the main thing the main thing. And for us, it was trying to prioritize what we had to have and what we wanted to have and then making sure that that didn't go by the wayside. 
there's that old lesson that they taught you when you were a kid. They take the jar out and they show you all these different rocks and they show you the sand and they say, do you think you can get all this stuff in the jar? And the whole lesson was if you don't get the big rocks in first, you can't fit it all in there. So what are the big rocks for you and for the organization in, in terms of the building philosophy? Well, DJ, I'm going to use one of both of our good friends' lines. Uh, why am I giving the answers to the test? Oh, why, why are you giving me the answer to the test? Oh, come on. <laughs> well, well, you know. <laughs> his office is right next to mine. That's true. I know. I know. I know. You get the answer to the test. I know. I've heard it before. But I, I'll, I'll give you another one, though. I'll give you another one, though. I, I'll give you another line. I can know your values when I check your checkbook. So I, 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 know, I know who you guys have been paying a bunch of money in this organization to, too. So that tells me a little bit about the priorities, but I wasn't going to hey, spell it all out. Hey, Bucky, let's just do, let's just do a podcast of all cliches. <laughs> I mean, I think. Beautiful people, people, will, people will hit stop on this podcast in about five, four, three, two, one. No, first of all, first of all, once you mention the social media thing, everybody's already turned off the podcast, and they're now going trying to figure out what your alias is on, uh, oh. on, on Twitter. I'm not. I'm going to leave that one alone. Why don't you get, get you in trouble? Yeah, I, I can honestly tell you I don't have any. It's a good thing. Uh, there you go. All right, how about your quarterback? How's Carson doing health-wise? Yeah, I, I think obviously it's a process. You know, you talk about it and you can't you can't shorten the process. It's not like, uh, you know, in some injuries, it's not like uh, you can make a, a nine-month injury, a two-month injury. So there's a process about it. There's nobody who works harder. There's nobody more diligent with his rehab. There's no one more diligent about being in the building and, and making sure that he's around his teammates and um, doing whatever it can to get back. And, and that's the great thing about having Carson Wentz is, you know, he's going to make sure that when he's ready, he's going to be wrong. Is there an example or story you can give us just kind of behind the scenes with him last year after the injury uh, with his leadership that gives us an example of what kind of leader Carson is? Yeah, I think the first thing is that the, the we we were obviously in LA playing the Rams, and that week we were actually supposed to have NFL meetings, and um, so I, I was scheduled to stay in LA, so I didn't bring all my stuff to the game, and you know uh, I got on a plane the next morning and um, get the players' day off on Tuesday. The quarterbacks get together and they're here at six o'clock in the morning watching film, and that's Carson and Nick Foles and Nate Sudfeld. And, you know, he's hobbling in and he's, he's watching film with them that first morning, that Tuesday morning. And I remember saying to him, what are you doing? And he goes, we got, we got to get prepared. I mean, the season isn't over. I got to do whatever I can to help these guys. And just the fact that he so much wanted to help Nick prepare and Nate prepare in their new roles, that kind of leadership, you know, being around the team, going up to guys. And you saw it in the Super Bowl. If you've seen – you know, the copy of NFL Films does an unbelievable job with the, the Super Bowl videos, and you see him go up to Fletcher Cox um, before that last drive, you know, and just motivating them. And, and one drive to be world champion, man, one stop to be world champion. He's just got tremendous leadership ability, and, and it's throughout the whole team. And, um, and it's, a, it's, it's kind of a touch of fate, and it was a bad touch of fate during the season uh, that we had this group with Carson and Jason Peters and Jordan Hicks and Chris Maragos and Joe Walker um, and Darren Sproles, of course, who were all hurt and out for the year, and their work ethic, the way they grinded, and even during the Super Bowl week, I mean, it, it was like they were ready to play, and they were all motivating each other and the team and being around it. It was special to watch. You know, how one of the things that's been special to watch has been the way you guys have treated the quarterback position. 
Uh, obviously, you have made the backup quarterback or the number two quarterback a, a premium position. First, you did it with Chase Daniels and also having Sam Bradford. But secondly, you've done it with Nick Foles. Can you talk about the overall philosophy of making sure that you have multiple quarterbacks that can play and play on the biggest stages? Yeah, and Bucky, you just said it. I, I think it doesn't It doesn't even stop with the first two. It, it's having a third guy that you feel really good about that can come in and play for you. Because in this league, when you look at the statistics about how many teams have their starter play every game, play every snap, you're, you're not talking about three-quarters of the league. I mean, normally you're talking about half the league who has that. So you don't want to be in a position where you can't keep the train rolling. I mean, this is such a team sport you got uh, 22 starters and you're sitting there and you're going, man, you know, if, I, if one of my defensive linemen went down, I'm going to make sure I have a guy who can replace him. Uh, if one of my receivers went down, i got to make sure I have depth there. So why wouldn't you have it at one of the most important positions of all sports? And for us, that, that's just been a priority. And um, really it started with Coach Peterson and his staff and the, the teachers he brought in for that position. And we said, you know, to be able to have this, it, it, it's almost like, and this may be a stretch here, but it's almost like a Silicon Valley-type learning atmosphere when you have those kind of teachers around these guys. So we felt like if we brought in talent to those positions, we had uh, unbelievable coaches to get them up to speed and develop them. And, you know, hopefully we wouldn't have to use them, but it it would in some way, shape, or form, um, you know, prove worth it. Absolutely proved worth it in the in the form of a Super Bowl ring you're getting ready to pick up. But I'm glad you mentioned, and Bucky, talking about uh, Nick Foles. I want to go back to our very first podcast episode here, Howie. You, you were the first guest on the Move the Sticks podcast. I want you to listen to a little clip here because we asked you about uh, a quarterback on the team at the time that who knew when we fast-forwarded we'd be talking about somebody that was instrumental in, uh, in hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. Let's go back. This is episode one of Move the Sticks here with Howie Roseman. I think the one thing we knew through the scouting process with Nick was what kind of kid he is and what kind of worker he was and how important football was to him. And then you kind of go back and you look at it, and he's 6'6". He's got huge hands. He's got long arms to be able to reach over those defensive linemen and be able to make throws in tight quarters. And then his arm, his footwork, his all continued to get better and grow. And really, when you see it, it started that first camp. And if you remember, DJ, I mean, I think he was the leading passer in the NFL in the preseason for that first preseason. How about that, Howie? We, we, we were just saying, I mean, I think we left out the part where we talked about how he was going to be the Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> um, but there was there was definitely things that, that and you could hear it in your voice, your, your excitement about Nick Foles uh, right from the beginning. Yeah, really, you think about his record as a starting quarterback in Philadelphia. I mean, it's been impressive, uh, certainly after his rookie year. It's one of the best winning percentages in all of football. And um, we were really excited to bring him back. Obviously, we had a pre-existing relationship, Coach Peterson and the people here. But the guy the guy is a talented, talented player. But even he's even a better person. I mean, he's such a good person, and people respond to him and who he is, and when you think about what we have in that room, you know, you have a guy who was, in my humble opinion, the MVP of the National Football League before he got hurt, and then you got a guy who's a Super Bowl MVP, and then you got this young, developing quarterback who, by the way, he kind of looks like Nick Foles. If you guys have ever seen this, Sudfeld and Nick, you know, they kind of get recognized. I think Nate, Nate Young, single guy in Philly, I think, I can't confirm this, but my sources say he may be playing that up to his advantage. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But I mean, I mean, you think about those guys, they genuinely like each other. They genuinely support each other and they like, they like being here and it's really fun. But, um, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to our owner, Jeffrey Lurie, because uh, obviously the financial decision to bring Nick back, um, was a big one, a big part of this. And for him to kind of swallow that and be willing to do it just shows his commitment to our football team. Howie, now that you guys have well hoisted the Lombardi Trophy, what is the challenge in helping your team get back to the Super Bowl to not necessarily defend the crown, but to go after another one? The hardest part really is that you have so many players who helped you win a championship. And um, being able to make tough decisions with those guys, to not do things based on past performance, but what you think future performance is going to entail. And then adding things, people to the mix that have the same competitive spirit, the same desire um, to be champions and um, add, add that so you don't have any sort of downtime with the team or um, guys that are, are just kind of taking it easy, bringing in the competitive players who kind of raise it up a notch during camp and during the season because they have that hunger. And so um, we can't have complacency, and then we got to make hard decisions on, on guys that have meant a lot to this franchise and this organization. And That's a hard thing to do. It's a, it's a hard thing to do because the easy thing is just to maintain the status quo and go from there. Well, in order to get to another championship, you got to go back through that division, which you guys handled well last year. But, man, when you look across this division, the NFC East, Howie, it sure seems to us out here on the outside, this you can make a case could be one of the most improved divisions in football with guys getting healthy and some of the new additions inside the division. There's no question about it. I mean, I, I think the NFC East as a whole is underrated. Um, you look at what's gone on throughout our division, and obviously it, it starts with the second pick in the draft and the Giants and um, – DJ, as, as you know, there's a lot of nights that I come home in the off season and I hear you and Bucky on past the draft because um, my boys are watching it and um, giving, giving me a hard time about how I can't hire either one of you to come work in Philadelphia. But um, we, we, uh, we know how you feel about the running back they just selected and obviously extremely talented player to go with an extremely talented offense and, and some really big-name defensive players. And, uh, you know, last year at this time – people were talking about them and the Cowboys and the Redskins and how talented those teams are. And we know, you know, it, it just takes a little bit of confidence to get a team rolling. And um, we got our work cut out for us in, in our division first before we go anywhere else. Well, the last, the last question I've got for you, and we appreciate your time today. I know it's, it's busy with uh, with practices going on here is have you, have you purchased the, uh, the costume that Kelsey rocked or are you just going to keep a framed picture of that up at the, at the Roseman household? What's the plan here with that outfit? Yeah, I'll tell you there, there haven't been many more awkward moments in my life than, than being there and, and him starting a speech by talking about me and not knowing the direction he's going to go into. And, uh, I just, I, you know, I can picture my face, you know, as Kelsey starts a speech and starts talking to, uh, about me because, you know, uh, we, we told the players that, that it was a dry parade. I'm not sure those directions were listened to. <laughs> So I, 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 once he got up there and and he started talking, I, he could have gone in any direction, and and um, my face, my 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 whole face kind of dropped when he mentioned it. And uh, but he did an unbelievable job, and and really, it is the story of our football team and our football organization. I mean, you you mentioned Nick, you, you mentioned Kelsey, 
Um, these are guys that, that have all been kind of cast to the side. People saying, hey, they're done and um, traded, or people thinking we're going to release them. And um, it, it's a great story because it fits our city. That's our city, you know, and um, that's what makes it, it a lot of fun. But we got a lot of work to do here, and um, we're excited about the challenge. Coach has done an unbelievable job in this offseason, keeping everyone focused on and off the field, and we follow his lead. You know, Howie, I can't, I can't let you go since you're in the middle of story time. Uh, you have to, help, you have to tell me a story about DJ, something about oh DJ when he's with the Eagles or since you've known him. You got to give – the listeners want to know. They want to know a little bit more about Daniel Jeremiah, so it's incumbent on you to, to share it with them. Yeah, you know, D- DJ is one of the best storytellers you, you could ever be around. He's always got an antidote. Uh, from where he is, and um, he can keep, he gets the room captivated. That's <laughs> shoot, that's probably why he's good at his job now, right? Um, <laughs> you got to trick him. You got to trick him, Howie. You got to trick him. Right, but but the thing about him that that I think, and this isn't going to be a funny story, but this is the truth. There is no more family oriented human being than Daniel, and uh, I think in our profession, with the amount of time we're away from our families, I think about him a lot because his commitment to his family. Um, is really a, a testament to his character. And uh, I know that's what, not what you're looking for, Bucky, but that's how I feel about him. Uh, that works. That works. Look, he's a great man, a great man of exemplary faith, so I appreciate it. Thanks so much for shedding a little light on DJ and sharing some time with us. I appreciate it, Howie. Thank you for, thank you for the kind words, and, uh, you know, we'll uh, – yeah, I'll always remember what you did for me, and, and uh, I'm excited for this Eagles football team to see if you guys can, can do it one more time here. Let's go. Excited about it. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Take care, Howie. Well, there you go, Buck. We've got a chance to talk to Hall of Famer Ron Wolf and the reigning executive of the year there in Howie Roseman from the Eagles. Two great guys coming on the pod. I appreciate them sharing a little bit of their time, some of their insight, even though Howie was a little more guarded. But I, I felt like some of those nuggets came through. Uh, I just believe it was a terrific opportunity to continue to learn from those who have put together teams that have been to the mountaintop. I think everybody who wants to be a scout or aspires to be a scout just likes football should should like to hear those stories. I'm pretty sure he's talking about Joe Douglas, by the way, when he's saying the uh, answers to the test. About, <laughs> about the answers to the test. I'm like, come on, Howie. We know you're, it's, it's all about offensive line, defensive line, and quarterback. That's what I was just trying to pull out of him. I just, see, that's all we want, paying. just a we little bring bit. In Michael Bennett coming in, uh, seeing him draft offensive linemen, defensive linemen every year. Uh, anyways, it was great great to catch up with, with Howie, and that is going to be a fascinating division there in the NFC East uh, in the upcoming season. Absolutely. Tough division. Uh, but look, you build your team to win your division, gives you a chance to get in the playoffs and then make, some, make a run. All right. That's uh, episode number 300, Buck. I mentioned it at the top. I've got some names. I snuck me there. So I wanted, I wanted more music. I like that. I have a little fun here. Uh, can we leave the bed of music? Yeah, I go through the names. Let's do it. Uh, some key names here. I want to make sure I don't leave anybody out. We'll start with Mark, who greenlit this whole project. Thank you very much. Mark Sully back there. Hytham back there. We heard from Arjuna and Will Pyle and TD. TD is the one who came up with the idea of this podcast. Kent Brown, the master of the free throw, as well as a key member <laughs> here for us. Adam Musto. I should have mentioned Musto. Yeah. Big part of the podcast for sure. over the years. D'Angelo Platt, uh, Ty Giddens, Chris Hare. Chris Hare now with the uh, Chargers. Congratulations to him on that. Give hey. David Singer in the whole booking department. Amanda Remy, who took care of us out at the Elite 11. Absolutely. As well. And I'm and sure there's some, and some. Oh, at the Senior Bowl as well. Hytham bringing in some Martinelli's. Sparkling cider. This is what we do at the Jeremiah household, Buck. This is our version. (laughs) All we do here, buddy. (laughs) Tastes like Thanksgiving. Uh, Anyways, a a lot of folks to thank here. 300 episodes in, and we've got 301 coming back 
Next week, we'll air our interview with Tua Tango-Vailoa, quarterback from Alabama, coming off a national championship. We'll also air our interview with Jared Stidham, one of the top college quarterbacks, same state there, uh, at Auburn. So we'll roll those conversations early next week. In the meantime, Buck, can we cling the glasses here? Yeah. Oh, there we go, 300. 300 episodes, everybody. Man, that was good. That was pretty good. That was pretty tasty. I, I, I took Martinelli's. A couple, I was supposed to take Sleep a sip. It. I took a couple. I took how do a we swig. not have a Mart? How do I not I have a, a Martinelli's swig. deal? It's a, I don't drink. I mean, Martinelli's. I get that sponsorship yeah. done. Uh, anyways, thanks to everybody except for Dan Hansus. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>